Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, editor at EM360. In today's episode, I'm joined by Paul Turner, product marketing at Trader.io. We're going to be talking about the world of hyper-automation and the approaches that organizations can take to implement automation into all facets of their business. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be here, Matt. Could you just give us a little bit of background on who you are and what you do at Trey? Yeah, uh, so Paul Turner, uh, product marketing at uh, Trey. So my, my background actually is implementing uh, analytic systems, spent a lot of time in uh, ERP, uh, in the CRM space, and basically my, my role at uh, Trey is really evangelizing the benefits of, of automation, uh, integration, some of the best practices around applying that, and some of the technology around it. Sweet. Okay, thank you for that. So obviously we're here today to talk about hyper-automation. To start off with, could you just tell us a little bit about what that actually means? Yeah. So automation isn't new, right? I mean, over the years, organizations have been automating um, all kinds of processes. So you know, automation has been around for, for a long time. Um, one of the differences now is that automation is happening or organizations are looking to automate at a much faster rate um, than they previously did. And there's a couple of reasons uh, behind that. Um, if you look at your marketing stack, if you look at your sales or finance stack, you've probably got dozens of applications. In some cases, organizations have um, across the enterprise you know, hundreds or thousands of applications. Um, you know, with, with the cloud as it is, with organizations to be able to deploy new applications very quickly, um, you have stack, you know, stack proliferation. Uh, but you still have those business processes um, that need to connect all those applications together in marketing and sales and finance. Uh, so really hyper automation is really around um, really automating uh, and connecting uh, all those applications at a, at a very fast rate. Because if you think of all the different business processes you can uh, you can build across it, there's, there's 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 hundreds of them. So it's really about organizations looking to automate everything from gosh, um, you know how their leads flow, uh, their their customer experience, their onboarding processes cut the manual effort around it, um, reduce the errors around it, uh, do it faster. And it's really about using all the tools at your disposal, right? It could be everything from uh, low-code tools, to business users building business processes, uh, data integration tools to automate your analytics flows. If you have legacy applications, you might be using RPA tools to go ahead and uh, play back uh, your mouse movements against a spreadsheet for a copy and paste, for example. But you need to do it in a very kind of orchestrated way, right? Because if you start to use all these different tools, it'll end up as quickly as a kind of a, a maintenance issue, right? Um, but it's really about automating extremely quickly at high velocity, enabling business teams to build automations across their stack uh, and do it fast. So it's really a bit of a speed up of how organizations are doing this. Um, Gartner estimates, um, recent report, Gartner estimates around over uh, 50% of organizations are now engaging in between... Uh, four and 10 uh, high automation initiatives. And it's all about operational excellence, driving down costs, speeding up processes, using automation as a source of differentiation. Yeah, I think Ghana also forecasted that the worldwide hyper automation enabling software market was going to reach about 600 billion by the end of the year. Why is this technological approach gaining so much steam? Yeah, there's a couple of a uh, couple of drivers behind it. Um, it kind of, what you see is it really took off actually um, 
couple of years ago, what kind of supercharged it was, it was actually during COVID. You know, with uh, with a little workforce disruption um, around COVID, with uh, you know people being working from home, being out of the office, talent shortages, you know, all those kind of things. Um, organizations really start to focus on how to automate, uh, how to automate work. The reason they did that um, was to keep the lights on, uh, to keep the business running, also to be more adaptable to change, right? So they can quickly adjust business processes um, as your operating environment changed. So COVID was a huge driver around this, just you know, to really um, enable the, you know, the changing workforce, you know, hybrid work. The second area is um, digital transformation. So digitizing processes. So you know, a lot of digital transformation projects a lot of them ultimately come down to automation, right? Um, most cases, businesses have all the applications they're going to need um, or going to need for the next few years. Um, they have you know, stack proliferation, as we call it, right? Uh, but now they're looking to build those business processes that connect that stack together. And that really, to digital transformation, a lot of the cases, it came down to things like automating my customer experience, right? You know, auto- automating how, for example, I'm engaging with customers in you know, various channels, Automating the employee onboarding process, right? So providing a great experience to employees as they join the company. Uh, automating analytics data flows, right? So if you're loading your data warehouse, how do you and how do you automate the flows of data uh, into that into that process? You know, so during COVID, was a kind of a um, uh, an enabler or you know, kind of supercharged the need for automation, digital transformation, um, another area. But you know, actually, as we look through to today, there's actually one more, and it's where you look at the the environment that we're in, right? I mean, there's uh, there's inflation, um, there's turmoil in the markets, and so for example, if you look at uh, inflation, uh, it's you know, for uh, for companies that are infected, affected by that, um, they're looking to manage costs, right? And if you're a retailer, you're looking to drive down costs in your organization, um, and you know, automation is a way to do that to be more efficient and productive, uh, eliminate manual processes. Technology companies, you know, with what's happening in the market. They're looking to lower, lower their cash burn to preserve their cash. Uh, and once again, you know, a way to do that is to you know, be more effective around how you're using your headcount and free them up from manual work uh, and enable them to focus on more high value activities as well. Uh, mm. So lots of drivers, especially in the last two or three years, and that's really led to high automation kind of coming, uh, coming on scene. Now, let's jump into some of the key benefits. Why should businesses care about hyper-automation? Yeah, there's a, there's a, couple, of, um, a couple of reasons. And you probably need to really take a look uh, where your organization could do with being more efficient and faster and more standardized in its business processes. But ultimately, businesses should really care um, because it's probably one of the fastest ways uh, to improve Business performance, you know, by applying automation technologies, it's not a single application, right? You're, you you can use it to orchestrate and automate any number of different business processes, right? So so it's a uh, it's a good additive way of uh, of improving results. You can use it to to free up headcount. So if you look at, for example, where your teams are in marketing and sales, uh, in finance and IT, they're probably spending a lot of their time uh, in manual work uh, right now. So reeking data into spreadsheets. Um, uploading leads, entering uh, entering sales orders, for example, uh, IT uh, manually provisioning uh, applications for uh, for newly hired workers. All of that is a huge opportunity to automate, right? And so what it means is that you can be much more effective with the human capital that you have 
uh, and reallocating that to the higher value uh, activities. So, you know, just some just some examples of benefits. I mean, we've seen you know, we've seen one company, uh, Pedal. So Pedal is a uh, is a leader in automotive marketplaces. Uh, so they basically they're a company that matches car sellers to buyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of their IT team was spending a lot of time uh, manually provisioning employees for employee onboarding. Uh, they have hundreds of applications within their organization. And when the employee came on board, uh, they'd have to go ahead and you know, look up on a spreadsheet, see what uh, applications the employee has access to, and then go ahead and uh, you know, manually go in and uh, sign them up and uh, provision them with each of those applications. So in that case, um, you know, they used automation and you know, in, in a matter of weeks, basically cut the amount of time uh, spent uh, by IT in that process by 30%. Right, so they basically freed up a just huge chunk of their IT organization to focus on other areas of the business. Another example is a quote to cash. Uh, so, you know, for example, if you have Salesforce and you may have, you know, for your CRM, uh, you may have NetSuite for your, uh, for your ERP, for example. And you know, if you're spending a lot of time, you know, when a sales order closes in uh, Salesforce and then entering that data into NetSuite, for example, your ERP, you may be doing that manually. Right, and there's a huge opportunity there to uh, to automate that entire process, and it's not just efficiency benefits from from automating that; it's also um, reducing errors as well, right? Because you know when you're reeking data, when you're doing things manually, and when you're you know jamming through things throughout the day, right, just entering and re-entering data, you get errors creep into the process, right? And that can be that ultimately lead to a poor experience for a newly hired employee, or it can lead to a poor experience for a newly onboarded uh, customer. Uh, so your employee onboarding is a great example, you know, 30% effort savings, you know, speeding up the quote to cash, you know, mixed panel uh, boosted their quote to cash velocity by about 25%. So processing sales orders faster. And even through the areas like lead management as well, you know, if we, you know, we see things such as um, you know, Jellyvision is a good example, um, the software company, they used automation to improve how quickly they followed up with up to sales leads, right? And often if you follow up with a sales lead, you get better conversion. Uh, so they used automation to cut the manual process from that and you get a faster lead follow-up. So an interesting thing is it's one tool to get there, right? So you can use one single automation tool to do everything from, you know, fast track your employee onboarding, speed your quote to cash, speed up how quickly you're loading your data warehouse, automate your lead management process, right? And so there's lots of ways you can kind of connect your stack uh, that can lead to big benefits to the business. And of course, this level of automation can help IT leaders shift from a project mindset to a product mindset. Now, why is that so important? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think ultimately it's about moving from being uh, tactical uh, to basically providing much more business value to the business. So, you know, in IT, for, I mean, we see this, though, by the way, in a lot of areas, right, within not only IT, but within other aspects of the business, whether you're in finance or you know, marketing, for example. And basically, it's uh, I, I, if you have a project mindset, you know, often it's you know, thinking much more tactically, you're just crunching through stuff, getting stuff done, right? Just uh, kind of like uh, you know, drinking with the fire hose, right? Of um, just all the activities you need to get through your day. And a lot of it is manual. Moving to more of a product mindset, really it's just being, being much more strategic, right? And mindful around you know, how are you returning value uh, to the business? Right. So, you know, for example, you know, do you want to spend your time in IT 
you know, manually onboarding employees and handling all the provision around that, you know, it's important, but it's, uh, it's not necessarily a great use of your time, your talent, or do you want to spend your time, for example, on startup couples supporting the business with the analytics project, right? Um, or, you know, so it's much more around moving to a much more strategic way of engaging and spending less time on uh, you know, high volume tactical tasks. Yeah, very well said. And and how can organizations successfully implement hyper automation? And what are some of the pitfalls to avoid? And I guess maybe some of the common misconceptions that you've been noticing as well? Yeah, there's there's a lot of things to think about. I mean, I, I think the, the, the first is to, to, to start small uh, and grow. Uh, we, we see this as, you know, a pretty successful way to start, which is you know, if you think about hyper automation, if you think about all of the different things you can potentially automate in your business, you can quickly get, uh, you know, snow blindness, right, in terms of, you know, all the opportunities, right, um, and it gets hard to get your arms around. So my suggestion would be to just start with one, just start with one uh, point process and, you know, be successful there, right? Whether it's, uh, whether you're looking to automate your lead upload process, interesting place to start, you know, quick, you know, just importing data from a spreadsheet, for example, into Marketo, for example, uh, whether you're looking to uh, automate, you know, as mentioned, your, your employee onboarding process, your quote to cash process, um, you know, how your, you know, your lead response follow up, your renewals process, and lots of places you can potentially start. So first, first area is just start with one and you know, you're going to get proficiency with the application, the tool, the approach, you're going to get some business results. So that's the first area. The second area is to really to promote reuse, right? Um, what we often find is that once companies have started with uh, with one process, for example, let's say that lead upload process, you can then take that building block, that automation building block, and then parlay that, you know, into other larger scale automations, for example. So we see companies then you know, staying on like lead upload. You might start the lead upload process, then you might automate maybe your lead enrichment and your lead scoring process and your lead routing process you know, after that. And then you can assemble that into a whole orchestration around lead management, taking all those individual building blocks and then building an end-to-end automated lead management process, right? And so what you want to avoid is using different tools and technologies, right, for each one of those automations. If you start to use one tool, you can start to reuse those building blocks, right, to parlay them into a single uh, end-to-end process. So reuse is a really important part of it. Another thing to think about is the experience you're going to be delivering to your business users um, in building, right? So what's happened with hyper automation is that it's no longer just simply, if you think you know, automation of you know, 10 years ago, it was mainly IT teams that were coding this stuff, right? A big part of the velocity is the fact that business users start to build these automations um, using low-code technologies, right? So rather than JavaScript or Python or you know, yeah, hand coding automations and having to know about APIs, what you're seeing is the emergence of low code, right? Where you can visually drag and drop and build your business process, you know, like a flowchart, for example. So it exactly represents what's happening in that lead, lead, lead flow, right? Except visually in the application. So you want to make sure the tools you're using are, you know, highly visual, uh, but also collaborative as well. So the big part of hyper automation is also basically collaboration and fusion team development, which is you might have a Salesforce administrator working with someone in marketing operations and sales operations, maybe with someone in IT, maybe an integration specialist, all working together with the same automation tool, okay? And they're engaging around it, right? And building collaboratively 
rather than just one person uh, you know, individually leading the project. So collaboration, low code, visual environment, starting quickly, you know, lots of reuse. That's, that's some of the areas to, uh, to really kind of like, uh, focus on. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I think a lot of people can take a lot of things away from that, especially when it comes to automation and how we're kind of moving into this new space. I think it's a really, really important point to take away. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the other the other things to think about is connectivity you know, as well. So, you know, going back to you know how we started this, um, you know, if you if you if you look at your marketing stack or sales stack or when your finance stack, you know, the the amount of applications and homegrown tools you have within it, it, it could easily be tenfold uh, what you had you know, 10 years ago, there's a huge proliferation. So you need to make sure that the, you know, the automation tool that you use also has strong connectivity built into it, right? So it can connect to Salesforce, it can connect to Zendesk, it can easily connect to, you know, NetSuite or Marketo, right? If, if, there's, if, it, if there isn't a connector that it has, you know, you should be able to connect via, you know, to the, you know, the REST APIs or the SOAP APIs or GraphQL APIs um, in the application. Even to the point that, and if a connect doesn't exist for it, even got to roll the connector very quickly as well. So, you know, automation is only as good as the connectivity um, that you have. Uh, so, you also need to make sure that the tools you're using can easily connect, uh, connect directly to across your stack, whether it's the applications you have, the databases, the analytics tools, uh, any homegrown apps you may have built um, as well. So, you know, connectivity is really important uh, also. And then the final area with hyper automation is, I mean, ultimately you want to get to that point where, you know, you have teams developing, you know, securely, they're building out automations, you know, at a pretty good clip, but you also provide that governance framework around it, right? So you have the, the monitoring, you know, the, the error handling, the detailed logs, the instrumentation, so you can see exa exactly, you know, what teams are working on, how many automations you have in flight, uh, you, have you have visibility in terms of the errors that may, ha may be happening within a particular automation, you have the error handling all around that as well. So you really want that governance framework um, around that so everyone's moving in the same direction. And the other part of that um, is also is elasticity as well, right? You know, when, when you're just simply knocking out you know, one automation or two automations a year, you know, it's fairly easy to go ahead and provision the compute resources to process that. But when you are having teams that, you know, they're, you know, they're building out a lead upload and then a lead management and then an integration data flow to load Snowflake, for example, and then employee onboarding, and then maybe they're automating some financial reporting processes. When they're quickly knocking, knocking those automations out and you have these automations firing on triggers on a scheduled basis, what you also need is an architecture that is, um, is elastic as well. Right, where IT isn't going to get something get bogged down in terms of, you know, how much resources you need for that, um, you know, provisioning workers to process it. Um, it has to, you know, the, the automation platform has to be able to scale and process the, the, the data um, and the volume easily. So, you know, things like serverless computing, computing is, you know, a good way around that, uh, where you get that elasticity of growth, uh, and you're not going to get bogged down in. Um, in provisioning and all of the, um, you know, installing servers and workers and all that kind of stuff to go ahead and crunch the data. Service computing basically just automatically scales up the processing to meet the demand of all the automations you're firing. 
Brilliant stuff. Well, well, thank you so much, Paul, for all of your great insight in today's topic. And thank you to everyone who listened to our conversation. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, make sure you head on over to trade.io. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. But until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at em360tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. <laughs>